sermon lesson for today is going to focus on the second lesson, uh, Romans chapter 3. It's on page 6 and 7 in your bulletin. Allow me to just read, reread for you just a couple of verses out of there, starting at verse uh, 23. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. This is the word of our Lord. If you've ever worked for or with a perfectionist, you know that it can be frustrating. They have such high standards and, and they're so they're so focused on the little details that maybe some of you who aren't perfectionists just don't understand, don't even see. But any counselor would tell you that even worse than working with or for a perfectionist is to be one. They have such high standards, and oftentimes their standards are unrealistic standards. And a lot of times it can cause frustration, anxiety, stress, and can even lead to depression. I remember when I was on the tennis team back in college watching one of my teammates play a match, and, and afterwards he, well, he won the game, he won the match, and he came up to me afterwards and was so frustrated by the way that he played. He said he was complaining about all the unforced errors that he had. He was complaining about how he was, he was lagging and he just could have done better. And I finally said to him, listen, you won. You're not a professional. You're not perfect. Be happy. It didn't seem to help the situation. Yeah, I apologize for picking on the perfectionists in our congregation today, if you are one, but, but this lie, I must be perfect, is not focused only on the perfectionists. It's focused on all of us. You see, all of us have standards for ourselves. Perfectionists might have higher standards for themselves, but all of us have standards. All of us understand failure. And now, I know initially when you hear that lie, I must be perfect, you can right away probably think of the solution to it. It's a phrase that we use very often, right? And I bet you could probably even finish the sentence for me. You say, well, is it okay if I make a mistake? And you respond, well, sure, because nobody's perfect. Is it okay if my child spills the milk? Well, of course, because nobody's perfect. Is it okay if I don't finish the task list that I had for myself this week or, or for today? Well, I suppose because nobody's We understand that answer, that solution to this lie that we so often believe. But, but I want to prove to you right now that even though we say nobody's perfect, that's not what we believe. We have higher standards for ourselves. And you can see it in the frustrations that we go through on a daily basis. The standards that you have for yourself. You all have frustrations of some sort, don't you? Stress, anxiety, that comes from something. All of you have standards, goals for yourself, right? You understand what failure is like when you try to stick to a diet plan or an exercise regimen and you just can't do it. You know what it's like when you, you know that you could have done better on a test that you took. You know what it's like to feel failure when you have this list of tasks that you wanted to finish for the week and you couldn't even get through half of them. You know what that failure is like. But you also understand frustration when you look at other people around you who are not meeting the standards that you have for them. How many of you 
have ever worked with someone who you could consider to be fairly incompetent? Pastor Tim better not raise his hand right here. <laughs> How many of you ever worked for somebody who, who simply could not get things done and it frustrated you? Let me ask you, what happened when that happened? Did you simply shrug your shoulders and say, oh, nobody's perfect? Or more often do you find yourself saying, what is wrong with that guy? Why can't he get the things done that he says he's going to do? See, the reason why we need to talk about this is because these standards that we have affect us emotionally. They hit our frustrations, they hit our stress level and our anxiety, and as I said, it can even lead to depression. There, this, however, is a much deeper than a psychological problem, as, as Paul says in the lesson. This is a, a spiritual one. This is what it says, again, in, in verse 23. If you want to have your bulletins open and look at uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, he says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, what is Paul saying there? He's saying very simply, nobody's perfect, right? Now, I realize in, in this sermon, what I'm going to be doing is I'm lumping together things like forgetfulness and spilling the milk. Those things in and of themselves, they're not sin, right? Those are, those are accidents, they're mistakes, but they're not things that displease God necessarily. However, we need to lump both sin, something that displeases God, with accidents and mistakes because both of them, to us, cause the same reaction. Frustration, stress, and anxiety. So when Paul says this, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, or nobody's perfect, what happens? He's not treating it as if sin is no big deal, does he? This is an incredible section of Scripture because what he does is he shows that he doesn't do what a counselor might do to a perfectionist, say, well, you need to lower your standards. No, God keeps his standards sky high. And you can see that when you look at the commands that God gives to us. His standards are much higher than even the most erotic perfectionists. Think about what his commands are in the Bible. He doesn't just say, love your neighbor. He says, love your enemies, too. He doesn't just say to give generously in the offering. He says, give generously in the offering and enjoy doing it. He doesn't just say, don't murder. He says, don't hate. He doesn't just say, don't cheat on your wife. He says, don't even look at another woman lustfully. He doesn't just say that you need, that men, you need to love your wives. He says, love them as Christ loved the church. And he doesn't just say to women, submit to your husbands when they always have the right answers. He says, submit to them even when they don't. See, I, I think that our struggle at times, is that we beat ourselves up more when we fail to our own personal standards than when we fail to God's standards. We get more upset when we can't stick to our diet plan and our exercise regimen than when we fall into temptation. We get more upset when we can't finish off our task list than when we don't love our spouse unconditionally. And so Paul gives us an incredible warning for you and I today. He says this, if you look in at verse 19 in the lesson, it says this, 
Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. It's like a 10-year-old who tries to steal money from his mother's purse. And as his hand is inside of the purse, his mother walks in and sees it. He's caught red-handed. There's nothing he can say or do. He's caught. He's guilty. And he knows it. And so he just stares in silence. And I'd rather for you that that day come, not later on on Judgment Day, but today. So I want you to think about this lie that we believe so often. I must be perfect. And consider God's solution to it. How we fix this problem. See, even though we see ourselves as failures so often, that was never God's plan. See, He made us to be perfect. That was God's plan for the world. That the world be perfect. When He created this world, that's the way it was supposed to be. That, that people would have the same will as God. They would always be one in mind and thought in everything that they did that they would never even make mistakes or have accidents, or if they did, they definitely wouldn't be frustrated and stressed out about it. But after the fall and sin, everything changed except for God's plan for mankind, that they be perfect. It's just that God's plan about how mankind would become perfect would have to change. Now mankind's perfection would have to come from outside and that's where you see this incredible verse in our lesson. Verse 21. Look down in your bulletins, verse 21. You see two very important words here. But now. Now that's an incredibly important phrase here. Something important is changing. Something that this world has never seen before. But now, it says, a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. A new way of receiving righteousness is now there. One that comes from outside of you. Righteousness is one of those terms, those church terms that we use very often, I think, without really thinking about what it means. And I guess I'd like you to think about that term in this way. Think about it as like a report card. A perfect report card. All straight A's. And as you look at that report card, you see at the top, name and a space there with Jesus' name written in and a line crossed right through it. And right next to His name is your name. See, that's the way that our God would give to you righteousness. Jesus lived His life for you in your place and He gave you that report card, His report card. One thing that I joke about with my dad fairly often, is the way he tried to teach me how to fix cars. My earlier car, cars that I had were even worse than the ones I currently drive. And, and when something would go wrong with it and I didn't know how to fix it, he wouldn't show me how to fix it. He would just say, move over, son, give me that, I'll do it. And he'd do it. And that's exactly the way Jesus did it to us. He didn't show us how to be perfect. He didn't show us how to be righteous. He pushed us out of the way and he did it for us in our place so that it couldn't be messed up. So those times that you had a hateful thought or a lustful thought, Jesus only had pure thoughts. 
those times that we didn't give or want to give our offerings generously. Our Savior gave more than money. He gave His entire life to the world. For those times when we couldn't love even our spouse unconditionally, He loved the entire world. For those times when, when we couldn't love our neighbor or our enemy, He said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. That's what our Savior did for us in our place because we were not perfect. But the height of God's standard of love comes at the very end of his life. And Paul talks about this. Look again, look down at the lesson, verse 25. It says this, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Now, in the Old Testament, there was a day that they would celebrate called the Day of Atonement. Yom Kippur, Jews would call it today. The day of Atonement. And on that day, what they would traditionally do is they would have a goat up there in front of all the people they would put a hand on top of the goat, the high priest would, and it would symbolize and represent to everybody who was there that all the sins of the people were on this goat, and then they would send the goat off into the wilderness outside of the city walls where finally it would die in the wilderness somewhere. And everybody knew that that goat had to die, that innocent animal had to die for the sins of all the people. But no sacrifice ever that was done in the Old Testament by a dove, or a bull, or a goat, or a lamb, ever took away even one sin. Look what Paul says in verse 25. He goes on, He did this to demonstrate His justice, because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. That is, as sin started to build up, think about it at the time of the Garden of Eden, at that very first sin occurred. God looked in the future and saw all the different sins that, was go that, were, that were going to be committed. And it was like filling up like a balloon that eventually was going to pop. And on the day that Jesus died on the cross, God's anger exploded on Him. And God's wrath was poured out on Him instead of us. He suffered for us. Now, why would he do that? Because I must be perfect. And the only way that that was going to happen is through his life for you and his death for you. So we don't have to be afraid anymore of measuring our success based on the things we do. We are perfect to the only eyes that matter. God's. And I know that when you look at yourself, sometimes you see a failure. You see someone who maybe should have lost those pounds and should have stuck to that diet regimen. You see somebody who may have, should have done better on that test, who should have been able to get a better job by now, who should have been able to finish those task lists that, they, that you had for yourselves. But when God looks at you, He sees someone who is washed by the blood of Christ. And I know that when you look at yourself, you see someone who should be able to fight off those temptations better. You see someone who should be able to deal with your emotional struggles better than what you do. But when God looks at you, He sees someone who carries around the perfect life of our Savior. I know that when you look at yourself, you see someone who should be more perfect. But when God looks at you, you see someone who is perfect. Don't believe the lie. I must be perfect. Believe the truth. 
that God declared you perfect through His Son. Amen.